Amen. Please be seated. So we have a rhythm as a church of the season of first love. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is the command. It's the greatest. It's the apex of what we are called to do as Christians. God is love, and so we bear His image. We are icons. We are made in the image of God. And so if God is love, then our very nature is to love. It's to exude love to one another. In Revelation, one of the churches was called out. Its presence of God was, rem- was going to be removed from its church, from its building, because it lost its first love. It was doing amazing works for God. It was doing all the justice work. It looked really impressive, but it had lost its first love. And so this rhythm that we have as a church, we started a couple of years ago, is to always recenter ourselves beginning of the year. God, how's my love for you? If it's the thing that propels us, if it's the thing that cultivates what we do, that we, we do from being, not from doing, but we want to center ourselves around cultivating first love. And so towards the end of last year, God really spoke to me and said, holy love is your title and Leviticus is your book. And I was like, thanks, great stuff. But he was so faithful in bringing materials that brought life to my soul. And so what we've asked the question is, how do we have holy love? How do we have holy love through the book of Leviticus? And we actually used this ancient phrase from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, 1670 is when the year this made. And this summarizes beautifully our Christian walk. And I love this phrase. This is something I repeat to myself. A person's chief end, if you don't have a chief end as a Christian, this is now your chief end. You can take it on yourself. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Isn't that beautiful? To glorify, you can respond to that moment. There we go, yes. Yeah, Uh, glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That beautiful balance that we say, God, you are holy, you are other. I glorify you, yet in the same breath, I understand that glory comes with enjoyment. It comes with joy. It comes with peace. It comes with all the fruits of the Spirit because He is both holy, and that holiness means that I have a new, fresh enjoyment. But we can find ourselves in either category, right? Sometimes we can find ourselves, and there are Christians that can be just glory, 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 this holiness which looks like religiosity because it's just action rather than enjoyment of relationship with Him. But then on the flip side, we can see people just trying to enjoy His goodness without recognizing that He is holy, that He is other, amen? So there's that challenge that we must have as Christians, that we must hold in the balance. And I believe Leviticus does that beautifully. Leviticus is known as the gospel of the New Testament. It is center book in the Torah, which means something. It is the most pinnacle, a point of the Torah that we know. In fact, it was the first book that Jewish young boys would learn before reading any of the other books. Now, this is super confusing to us because we are out of culture. This book was written about 1400 BC. So we're 3,500 years away from cultural moments. The beautiful thing about God is, though, He invades a moment and invades that moment fully. He doesn't care about what you think. 
When he comes into a moment, he says, I'm going to take the cultural things of the moment, and I know that 3,500 years later, there's going to be Christians that we make fun of this book and be like, I don't get what it's talking about. He goes, I don't care, because I want you, I'm going to create stumbling blocks for you. If you want to know truth, it's not going to always be handed to you. But I'm going to come and invade a moment. That's how good our God is. He invades a moment fully. Amen. And so this is the beautiful truth that we have with it. And just to refresh ourselves where we've been right currently in the series. And so with this first love, we've been talking about some themes. We've been pulling themes out of. And so glorifying God is one theme and enjoying Him forever is on the other side. So we talked about holiness on the first week, that God is holy, and it's like the sun. It's the source of life. It brings us nourishment. It is unique. It is powerful, and we cannot come near to it. It is like our sun. It is good for us, but if you stay out too long, if you stare at it, if by some however measure you manage to fly to the sun, that's bad news for you. You're going to die. And so the presence of God had this separation. It was so good, but because of sin, we were no longer able to abide in it. And so the story narrative of Leviticus is a loving God has come and abided with earth. His presence has come down in our space. And he says, I want you to draw near. Here's some tools for you to draw near. And this word atonement, which means at one moment, that two that were torn apart have now been reconciled by a sacrifice outside of us, that we could not make our way back to God by ourselves. We needed something, a grace from outside of us to come into our lives, a gift that we could not earn, that we could not provide for ourselves, would come into our lives and bring one man, a death had to be paid. Sin means that we need to die. Church, we need to die. That's the journey of a Christian. We must die so that new life can come into us. And this is the grace message. Atonement is to enjoy Him forever because He gives us a gift which we could not provide from outside of us in. And so that gift was Jesus, amen? That gift, the reason why we are here today is because Jesus has brought us out of darkness. He has brought us out of our pains and struggles, though we still wrestle with them. He has brought them out of that death sentence and says, I want you as mine. I want to reconcile you through my son at one moment. And so that's the sun suit. If we want to have the sun that we can't walk in, the sun suit is atonement. It's blood. It's blood that enables to do what we could never do. And last week we talked about surrender. So if we want to walk in this sun suit, we need to know how to put it on. And this key theme, just to remind you from last week, if you weren't here There are five offerings, burnt offering, there is the gift offering, the fellowship offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. But if we themed them together, it was complete surrender. The burnt offering was this offering where the sacrifice got completely consumed. It was the most regularly done day and night, and it was the foundational one. It was the lens, if it were, that you would see through, the glass you would see through to see all the other sacrifices. The burnt offering was complete surrender because the sacrifice got completely burnt up. It was never able to be used again. All the other ones would either be shared out or given in other ways. This is the only one, and this is the lens. This is the the most important because you cannot give thanks if you're not in complete surrender. You cannot enjoy abundance giving to God and giving to another person. 
you cannot truly forgive or be forgiven if you don't have complete surrender. Do you get the point? This is just what happened last week. And so surrender is key to Scripture. As I was doing this, I was pumped for the next message. I was ready to go. And God on Monday morning was like, I need you to go back over surrender again. I was like, wow, what? I've never done this before. Why are you stopping me? There was this story that I heard. Um, I love, believe it or not, I like listening to sermon messages as well as preaching them. Um, I'm guilty of that. My wife does pull me up on it. What are you listening to now? Um, any spare moment, a podcast, a message. I just love, I love listening to the gospel. I love seeing words come and fill my life. And I heard this story from John Tyson. One of his books is in there. I encourage you to get it. Beautiful Resistance. And I was listening to this story that he told that so compelled this message for today that paused a theme. Rather than moving on, God said, I want you to revisit something. It's important for our community. It was this story that went like this. Um, John Tyson, to know him, is a revivalist. He is in New York, um, mega city. Um, he is an amazing communicator, disciple uh, of Jesus. And he's conservative in a progressive city. Now, that's weird because normally the nature of a church would follow the progression of the culture. He is very countercultural, but he does such a good job explaining, bringing people into loving Jesus. So I'm interested by those people that walk that. And he is a, a, a world-renowned speaker, and uh, he preached at a pastor's conference on prayer, Hosea uh, chapter 10, about the need for a nation to return back to prayer and righteousness. And he's fired up preaching this message. And uh, it's about turning your hearts back, letting the soil of your heart be toiled up, tilled up, so that God can do something fresh. And he preaches this message in the morning. The pastors are like, we don't need to hear another message. We just need to get on our faces and pray. So that's what we're going to do right now, church. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, wouldn't that be cool if we suddenly just started doing that? I know for some of you are straight up and let's go right now. Let's be ready for that, for those who aren't ready. Um, but we had this moment, and so they prayed, and it was just an amazing encounter. A couple of weeks later, uh, John gets another invitation to speak at a, a youth conference, college students. They've just been praying, uh, learning on prayer for a month or a semester, and they're coming to the end, and they're like, John, we love your heart. Would you come and communicate your prayer to our body? And it was like, totally, 700 college students, I'm going to preach. Got a message in my heart, and I believe it's for you guys. And so 700, imagine uh, 700 college students, and he is preaching his heart out. He's been doing it for 26 years, and so he's good at it. And he's preaching and preaching, and he knows when it's not connecting. That moment where you're like preaching the word, and it's like deaf ears. And he's not downhearted, he's just really confused. And he goes to the leaders who were fired up, like, thank you, John, for bringing that message. And he goes, thanks, but I don't need that. I want to know why it was disconnected. Why was it not connecting with them? And God really spoke a word to those leaders in the moment. And God just said there was nothing to revive. There was nothing to revive, i.e., we know when something's to revive, there's something dead. There wasn't even something dead there. There was no bones, there was no body, there was no life. And this is the discipleship issue that we face as a Western Christian nation, that the handing over from one generation to the other has not occurred properly. Too often that we, the youth, we know all the things about God. I can, I'm in the information age. I can learn, I can read, but there is no connection. 
And God spoke to me and said this word to me in lens of Leviticus. When I heard him tell that story, he said to me, is there anything for me to burn? Is there anything for me to burn? So let me explain what does that even mean. So when we know that something burns, there's something to be consumed. When a fire comes, it consumes a material, right? We've got that basic principle. Physics 101. Fire meets substance. Boom. Gone. Consumed. This concept, though, carries into our relationships, believe it or not. This concept comes into our relationship. To be in relationship, there is a mutual interaction of giving of materials. We actually bring offerings to our friendships. We bring proximity, so my physical presence into a space, which means my time, which means my abilities, which means my sacrifice really into a relationship. Does that make sense? So actually, in relationships, we are burning up materials for one another because we know that relationships as well can be taxing. You might have, and don't look at the person, but you might have relationships in your life that you know, I'm going to go spend some time because they don't reciprocate giving. I give all and I feel burnt out is a word we use. We're burnt out because of we're giving everything and we're not reciprocating. We're not receiving anything back. So this idea of there is nothing to burn is very interesting. I can feel burnt out. And we notice when there's no exchange in offerings of relationship. God is the same. God is relational. He believes in this kind of concept of relational love. We are in relationship with God, bared in His image. And we worship God in that. We give worth-ship in worship. We give honor. We give something worth as we think about it, as we desire it, as we act on it. These are the things that we do in worship. Worship is not just karaoke on a Sunday. I had a a wonderful sermon. What do we do on Sunday? We sing to a wall with karaoke on the screen. If we had to explain to a non-Christian what we're doing. But this is not karaoke Sunday. Worship is not just a nice song on a Sunday. It's a lifestyle that is lived through your action, through your thought, through your heart's desires. And in that interaction, we are offering a burnt offering. We are bringing materials to God. Now, because of Jesus, we don't bring sacrifices. We now bring our bodies. Romans 12 talks about this. Therefore, this is Paul's letter to the Romans, which was a fractured uh, Jew and Gentile group in Rome, and he's trying to pair this group together. He's given this amazing theology that Jewish people, you now have a Savior, Messiah has come, and Gentiles who were far from God, you had no hope, have now been entwined into one family. Now because of that truth, because of God's amazing grace, you are now made whole and one. He loves you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He says, so by these mercies, brothers and sisters... By God's amazing uh, mercies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I highlighted that line, offer your bodies. This is now worship. Our body is not just living in, in thought, but in action. With all of my being is worship to God. So come back to this point today. You are the sacrifice. 
But God really spoke to me in this moment. This is what I mean when is there anything to burn because your actions don't burn. Let me explain that. Your actions, your good deeds aren't sacrifices to God. God is actually looking for a body, a physical body to be laid down on an altar. And this is where the issue lays. Our actions don't burn, but our bodies do. Some of you would say, man, I've given my time. I'm here on a Sunday, Johnny. I read my Bible once a day. I pray once a day. But you don't actually put yourself on the altar. What do I mean by that? You don't give of yourself. You don't give fully your vulnerability and God. So let's do this for again. Bring it back to the friendship analogy. So we've got a friend, and you've got, hopefully, this one friend that you can be vulnerable with. You can be the, the sweatpants kind of relationship that when they invite you over, you don't have to dress nice. You don't have to have yourself put together to be in their presence. You can say whatever you want, and they understand you. Do you have that friend? That's quiet. You're lonely people. Well, this is the community for you. Point View Church is a wonderful community for you to get yourself connected and get those friends around you that can be with you no matter what. Amen. Okay, I, I really do hope you do. If you don't, please come speak to me. I'll find you a friend. Um, you are the sacrifice. But the friendship that we have, that beautiful thing, that that one person that I can entrust, whether in a spouse, marriage, whatever, that you can be who you truly are, that is a true offering to a friend, amen. But when we truly get to be who we are, that is the beauty. And it's normally just one. It's not many, one or two people that we have in our lives. They are separate, they are other. But that worship is so much more sweeter, right? Like when you're with that person, when you get to bear your soul, there is an elevation of materials being burnt up in that moment. Does that make sense? Like this is what I'm talking about today. That today, your actions are good. They're great. It's great to do good things for God. But God's saying, I want your heart. I want all of you. I want you to lay yourself down on that altar and experience my presence, my vulnerability. And that's why I think the psalmist David understood that so well. So a third of the psalms, the lament psalms, where the psalmist is pouring out his heart to God, saying, where are you? What is going on? And there's a reason why a third of the psalms are lament, pain psalms, because God says, I want all of you. I don't just want your nice actions, your nice words. I want your joyful, sad, angry, depressed self on that altar on that altar of worship. That's what it says. Bring your living bodies. Bring everything of who you are. Because when we do that, right, this is why it's sweeter worship. Because when you've got that friend, you've got, remember that friend where you're just able to be whoever you want to be around that person. You give full attention. You're present to them. And let's be honest, you love that friend more than any other friend, right? That's the missing part of why there is not a burning that's happening in the Western church. Because we're so self-made, we've got all the control. I don't actually need God. I use Him as a good luck charm. I read some scriptures, try and make myself feel good. But you never put yourself on the altar. You never actually become vulnerable. And you know that that vulnerable friend where you get to be truly who you are, lamenting, praising, 
glorifying God, giving all your stuff inside of you, your sin, bearing your heart open, laying yourself on the altar, saying, God, here am I, burn me up because I know that you're a good, loving God. And actually, I want to reciprocate the love that you have shown me. I want to love you with everything that I am. That's the dream, and that's not easy. I love this quote here, just to reinforce the point here today from Tyler Satan, who says, for Jesus, and Joe sent this to me, I love this, fits so well in the message. Again, community, right? We are one body journeying together. For Jesus, being with the Father was his deepest desire, the source of identity. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus would often withdraw. Jesus would be with God. And the only way to true life, God is not taking attendance. So God is not taking attendance or issuing grades. Some of you believe the Father is like that. He's just taking attendance and he's issuing grades. He's just this task master Father, and that's not true at all. This is about love. To order your day, I love this, according to the intimacy with God. Can I ask you a question today? Do you have an intimacy with God? Do you have an into me I see principle of heart desire that says, God, I want you to see into my heart. I'm going to, be, I'm going to put myself on the altar, not my actions, just my actions. I'm going to put my whole being on it. Is lived in the intention to keep him as our first love. Some of you today, we've lost our first loves because there isn't that vulnerability. And because there isn't a vulnerability, there isn't a burning that's happening in your life. Maybe you've had questions, God, are you even real? And God's saying, I very much am, but you haven't put yourself on the altar to even know. You haven't actually put yourself in that space to experience all of who I am. See, the passage says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Many of you are kind of like we're talking about Kim's word today. You're on the cliff edge, and God's saying, I want you to jump in today. That word was so powerful because there's many of you having different spaces of faith jumps right now, but today God is really calling me to call you and saying, many of you are on the edge. You've been a Christian for a long time, and you're not burning for him. You've got nothing on the altar. He's saying, I want all of you. You're broken. You're happy. You're joyful. You're sad self on there. I know all of you. I've said this before. I know all of you. Your darkest, deepest secrets, God says, and I love you the most. Would you know that love today? Because that's the power that we get to live in. And so today, I want to just with that passage, our teaching text today, this got so brought alive to me. So I would encourage you, just open your Bibles right now on your phones. I would encourage you, please bring your Bible. There is, I'm, I, I love technology, but there's nothing better than a physical Bible. So if we can be bringing our physical Bibles here, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 6. It's the third book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 6. And we're just going to go through this line by line today because actually this gives us three things that stop us putting our bodies on the altar, and there are answers in this today as well. So let's go for the first verse here. Give Aaron and his sons the command, these are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offerings to remain on the altar heath throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. So there's three teachings, and each of the teachings is ended by the repetition, keep the fire burning. 
That can be our phrase today, keep the fire burning. When you're in conversation with friends afterwards, if you can just encourage your friend, hey, keep the fire burning. Let us be our montage right now, right? If we want first love fire, let's say, guy, how's your fire doing? Can we keep the fire burning? And this is what we want to do. And so this is interesting, this line, through the night. This flame was inaugurated by God. This is like an Olympic torch moment. Fire from God lights the flame. And God's like, keep my flame burning. God provides the flame. God is the flame. God is the grace. Keep the grace alive in your life. What period of time does he say? He doesn't say keep it during the morning. Morning's easy. Through the night. This is my first point here today. We must burn through the night. So Sunday morning's here. Worship's happening. Alyssa or Rachel singing, what a beautiful name. Life is going good for you. And you're like, what a beautiful name he is. What a powerful name he is. The feels are good. The Jesus bumps are rocking. And you're loving life right now. You've got a bonus or you've got purpose. Family is all good. Life is going well. And you're just like, yes, Jesus. Or maybe you're like this, yes, Jesus depending on whatever your stance is. But it's when Wednesday comes around, or maybe Monday for some of you. Work's piling up, emails, disagreement with the spouse. The social media scroll is strong, and so you are comparing yourself to other people. And suddenly that flame that was burning so well in the morning is now at night, and it's gone out. There's no life. The night has come. There is no maintenance for the fire, and we stop praising God. Maybe you're in a season of the night. You feel overwhelmed, stuck, unclear about your future. You've got health issues. Maybe that dream or expectation has been completely let down. There's financial issues. You're unhappy at your job or your marriage, and you just feel stuck. And you feel like the pressure of the night has been forever. You can't remember a day anymore. I think offense or disappointment at God is the number one reason why we don't put ourselves on the altar. I think every single person, if you walk long enough, has been disappointed or offended by God. Amen? It's a reality. A low amen. I get that. But I know you resonate. There will be at some point, because that's part of our spiritual walk, where we need to be disillusioned. We need to realize we have been living under an illusion. That the way that we think God should operate in our lives is not always reality. Yes, there is an enemy at tax as well. But there are also realities which God is causing in our lives, allowing, I mean, he is not the causation of the pains and sufferings, but he is allowing because there is something that can happen in the night that can't happen in the day. There are night seasons for a reason because when you put your praise, when you put yourself on the altar, when you vulnerably cry out to God and say, God, I'm mad at you. God, I hate that that situation went south. God, why don't you fix? Why don't you hear when we bring that aroma and still say, but yet I'm going to praise God. Oh, my soul, I'm still going to praise your name. God, you're still good in the dark. That is the sweetest aroma ever. It is the alabaster jar praise. 
2022 was that year for me. Probably one of the worst years of my life for so many different reasons. It was the tale of two stories. The first part of the year was just destruction. And it felt like every single front. But on top of that, I just had this dark night of the soul experience where God just felt distant. I felt incapable. I just fell apart. Still moving along, right? Still moving along, I had some close friends that were really pulling, helping me through, talk some things out, but I just felt numb inside. But like James says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, that when you go through many various different trials, that what's going to produce inside of you is steadfastness, and that steadfastness is going to bring completion. It's not the blessings up to the right that's going to cause your completion, amen? It's actually the struggles and the pains and the sufferings that we realize because our God is bigger than the situation that we face. This is where we get to find the power of His hand. We get to find the intimacy of the Father in this space. And I love that. But in the deep, in the deep of where things that don't work out, God meets us there. You don't know the loving hand or the power of a Father in the blessing. You experience Him in the pain. Which kingdom are you going to live in today? Are you going to live in the kingdom that says your control, your ability, your truth, your love? When God's counter kingdom is to say, come and die, come be burnt up, consumed by me. That's the kingdom that we live by. Our vision is to live a different kingdom, which actually frees you from the chains of this world that says you must have this to be happy. You must um, have this job, this influence, this many likes, this many followers. You've got to have these things to be happy. And the very kingdom of God is countercultural to that. It says, no, come lay yourself on the altar. Burn for me. I will meet you in that space. And I'm going to free you from the bondages, not just of sin, but of the world and of the enemy that surrounds us. It's only in the dark night do we begin to understand that. And it's grace, because this is not easy today. Can I invite you today, if you're in a night season, to bring an offering of praise, even though you don't see the other side? Can I invite you today that God is better than you realize? And actually to strip you away from the things of this world He needs you to die. He needs you to be disillusioned. He needs you to let go of your control and say, in the night, I'm going to discover that actually there's a father who's better than I ever realized. It's in the night that those things happen. So that's point one today. Second here today, carry on. The priest shall put on his linen. So they've kept it burning all through the night, through the darkness, through the disillusionment, through the not understanding. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to the body, and they shall remove the ashes from the burnt offering that the fire has consumed. Interesting. So remove the good things on the altar, place them beside the altar, and then take these clothes, put on others. So take off your priestly clothes, put on the regular linen clothes, and carry these outside the camp and put them in a ceremonially clean place. You've got to do this because the fire on the altar must keep burning. It must not go out. Our principle today, we must create fresh space to burn. 
fresh space to burn. So easy is it that we live, because God is just this good, we can experience an amazing encounter on Sunday. Remember, just awesome worship. You felt all the good things for God. That can sustain you for a while, can't it? Like the conference that you went to, um, that intimate prayer time that you had with God, we're like, man, I'm feeling good tomorrow. I'm feeling good Wednesday. I'm still feeling good. God, can we just do this weekly? Can we just do this monthly? Man, can we just do this once a year? Because this would really help me because I've got all these other things to do. So if I can just have you over here, just with that little quick hit fix, Sundays will be fine. We'll work it out. You know, that's, that's good. But man, when do we create stories daily? We so easily just hold on to the experiences. Because remember, when a fire happens, it goes down to embers. And these embers look like fire. It's still there. It's still kind of burning. It's creating heat. But the danger is if you do not clear out, anyone who has fire logs, you know, you've got to clean that surface out so the fire burns bright. God's challenge to us is do you have a daily story where God is moving on your life? That was such a challenge to me, right? Do I have a daily encounter where I am being loved to someone else? Where I can come at the end of the day and reflect and say, God, man, you are so good. Do I keep a fresh space, not burning on yesterday's, last week's, last month's, last year's revelation of who he is? No, do I say, the old has come, thank you God, I keep them in memory, but that's where they stay. They inform where I'm going. I don't burn on my old memories. It propels me for fresh encounters. Do you have that desire in your heart today? So I know we, we desire it, but there's an issue that we don't seem to create the fresh spaces, right? Like, this is convicting to me as well as you. So don't worry, we're all in the room being convicted together right now. And this is the third reason that I think leans in so well. This beautiful layer, burn through the night. Hey, when you get daily burnings going on, every morning the priest is to add firewood, arrange the burnt offering on the fire, and burn the fat on the offerings. And this is the third and final one. The fire must be kept burning on an altar continually. It must not go out. Third and final point here today. We must burn daily. If we're going to burn through the night, if we're going to keep fresh encounters, not basing it on yesterday's revelation of who He is, no, fresh daily vulnerability of where we put ourselves on the altar and say, God, I need you. I'm bearing all of who I am, not just my actions, not just my thoughts. Everything of who I am, I must burn daily. love this from uh, Craig Grishel. He said this. I posted it this week, and I just loved it. We don't learn. So think of Daniel's story. Daniel was part of the exile. So Israel was defeated by Assyria and Babylon, and Babylon exiled them into their community, these young Jewish boys. And we know the story of Daniel. He was a countercultural revolutionist in exile. He wasn't around the traditions of the day of the Jewish culture. He was living as a Jew in a completely different culture, given a different name, abandoned, separated. Yet he was part of a movement, uh, a, revi- a mini revival that would have happened where they learned what the law was. 
And Daniel was one of these consistent people. It's one of those kind of annoying people that are really good at consistently doing something. Have those people, you, they make you feel guilty. You're like, they're just up every morning early doing whatever, exercising regularly, eating healthily regularly. They're just consistent in all they do. Got any friends like that? Yeah. Oh, if you all are that, that's fantastic. Great. That's awesome. Like, good. Please keep going. Help all of us in the room. But what the amazing thing about Daniel is, and one of the stories is that he goes into the lion's den. We don't learn to trust God in the lion's den. This is what Craig Rochelle says. We learn to in the prayer closet. His faith wasn't built in the battle. So many of us think, if I just go through that trial, it's going to build me. No, no, no. He didn't build in the battle. His faith was built when he was on his knees, consistently sought God's heart three times a day, week after week after week. It's not what we do occasionally that makes a difference. It's what we do consistently that makes a difference. The consistency is mundane. Churning up on a Sunday regularly feels mundane, but it is part of our spiritual practice. Can I invite you again? Make church attendance a priority in your life. If you want to go through the waves and the things and the seasons of your life, don't expect in the moment to suddenly have it all together. Like, God is good and gracious. He meets us in our pain and trials. But I bet, like a father, he's like, I just wish you would have built something in the week. He's not mad, but I just imagine sometimes like, man, we, we could have avoided this. We could have avoided this if we had had a consistent rhythm. Can I tell you a truth today? And this might hurt a little bit. You're responsible for your wood. You're responsible for your wood. I'm not. Uh, wait, so when, when the end comes, that we get to stand before God and, and tell of all, show our lives of all that we gave to him through our lives, I'm not going to be standing next to you. You're going to be standing next to God. You're responsible for your wood. So many people have visions of spiritual life that fail because they don't, take responsibility to cultivate the space with God on their own. They don't take responsibility to say, I need to pull my wood together to burn for God. And so can I just invite you again? You're responsible for your woods. Would you, again, pick up the daily rhythm of being able to say, God, I want to put myself on the altar. I want to come. Because remember, being on the altar is the ultimate intimacy with God. Some of you feel separate from God because you're not giving all of who you are. God is saying, I want all of you daily on the altar. And that's challenging in a busy, uh, distracted generation where we are pulled every single situation, especially for young families where we have kids that are the ultimate distraction that come into. They are blessings. They are wonderful. But trying to just have enough energy to get through the day sometimes feels like a drain. And God says, I get that. There's grace. But would you prioritize burning daily with me? And so just for you in the room, this is something as connect groups we've been doing. Again, get into connect groups. This is a great on-ramp into what spirituality is. We meet as communities to deepen our following with Jesus. And so as connect groups, we've been working through prayer. It sounds 101, but man, it's been good. And this is a principle that we follow. This has been incredibly helpful for my life, this rhythm of the Lord's Prayer. So as we land here today, Matthew chapter 6. Just turn with me there quickly. 
This is a rhythm that I want to give to you today of what helps me. Maybe you've got your own rhythm and that's fantastic, but for you if you do not have a prayer rhythm, because 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, be renewed daily. You are wasting away, be renewed daily. We leak, we leak daily, and so we need to come back. And the Lord's Prayer is an amazing on-ramp for us to burn daily with Him, because prayer starts with God. And so, pause. This is the acronym for prayer, P-R-A-Y. We pause. And I use the Lord's Prayer because it's a great guide. God gave it to us as a guide. Our Father. This is how I start my morning. I, I wake up in the morning, and what I try to do, I don't always do this well, but I try. My very first thoughts are aimed towards, good morning, Father. You will have my first thoughts, God. I pause, and it might not start off well for you, but just be consistent. When you miss, doesn't matter. Keep doing. Keep repeating. Our Father. I love that. that I remind myself that I have a good Father who is powerful, who is wonderful, yet He is caring. He knows my name. He cares about every detail of who I am as well. And He's in heaven. And so I, I pause with these reflections that He is a Father. He is our Father. He's not your Father or my Father. He is a Father which brings us all together. And I slow myself down, and I imagine myself being held by the Father. Because I need to position myself to the reality. Because of Jesus, my reality is I am in the arms of the Father. You all are in the arms of the Father. That is your positional truth. How many like me, you probably forget that when you wake up in the morning, when emails and all the other Instagram, social media starts flooding in. I forget to position myself. So I've got to pause. I've got to start. Who am I? Who is God? Then I begin to rejoice. I begin to thank Him for all the blessings. I begin to bring a laundry list of just thanks and gratitude for who He is and what He has done in my life. I begin to revision myself. Then I begin to ask I have expectations for the day. God, I know that I am not in control of my life. I need your blessing. I need help with this project. I need wisdom with this space. I need you to somehow completely transform that situation. I ask because he is the provider. But also, I've got the mind of Christ. I know my position. I ask, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want your will for my life, not my will, because my will is full of other mishmash of things. I want your will for my life. Give us this day our daily bread, the requests, the needs, and then we yield. Yield is another wonderful word for surrender. Forgive me of my debts. I yield to you today saying, God, I don't have it together. God, I need to repent of where things have gone astray in my life. And repentance is just changing our minds. I think we need to repent way more. It's not just saying, sorry, God, forgive me. It's saying, God, I need to 180 every single moment. I've, I'm constantly in wrestle with, I'm walking one way, and I need to be walking this way. God, I repent. Forgive me. Let me reorientate to your way. God, I need your protection. Lead me not into temptation. There are things in this world that are going to pull on my day, and I need to change that. Deliver me from evil. So expectation in the morning, that's my, my, my lens. And then I reflect at the end of the day. Before I go to bed, I reflect again. Father, you are good. I'm your son. 
And I, I literally repeat this for five minutes. I am your son. I am your son. I am your son. I am a child of God. I literally repeat these things so I reorientate my mind to who I am. I rejoice through the day. I, I bring up the gratitude. Even if I had a crappy day which has really frustrated me, I make sure I just spend some time rejoicing. And then I just ask. I love uh, the principle of just resting. God, I, I pray for a good night's sleep. God, would you take care of the things that I need? I yield, repent to you. So an action step for you uh, today. We all have phones. Can I ask, how many people use Lectio 365, hands raised in the room? Raise it high. In the this is one of the most amazing apps ever. It's free, and all of you hold phones, correct? So all the things I just said to you happen through this app 10 minutes twice a day. This is an amazing on-ramp for you. You don't actually have to remember what I just said. Because, you know, like Greg, because I wasn't listening anyway. Winning, winning right? We're back in it. I've got you. You've got your phone. There is no way out of this one. If you go to your app store, even on Google, Apple, even on whatever store you have, you can go look up Lectio 365. Lectio is just meditation scripture, and this has been world-changing for all our leadership team, for all of us doing this daily. There is just amazing meditation, and it takes you through the rhythm. And guess what? You get more English accents as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's awesome. And so we get that reflection point going on as well. And so I just encourage you, like, can we have a church full of Lectio where we're just meditating on scripture every morning and evening? Like, literally, it's like one of those apps. Try it for 30 days. You won't get your money back because it's free, but I guarantee your life will not be the same. I guarantee as you just put that rhythm of morning, evening, morning, evening, daily burning, you will see a transformation in your lives. Sunday, you won't be just dragging your feet into the Sunday morning experience. You'll be like, let's go. Like, God's got a stuff stirring inside of me. I've got a word this morning for someone. Like, I'm actually not just going to sit on my seat. I'm going to participate. I'm going to give an encouraging word to another person. I'm going to show up to this community because God is so good because I'm daily burning. So I just want to invite the worship team up as we take communion here today. And we're going to be shifting our space here. So if we can just dim the lights as well as we come to reflect. And BJ is going to be leading us in this space. But I just want to leave us with a question here today. Do you desire to burn? Do you desire to burn? Because that's the question that's going to come Monday morning when you have a decision of whether you're going to do Lectio, read your scripture, put yourself on the altar, say, God, I want to invite in this journey because, God, I'm not satisfied with my life. How many people are satisfied with their life right now? Like, it's not a reality because we know there's something more. And God is always inviting us into more vulnerability, into more knowing of who we are. And this is a beautiful picture of what God did for us, that he came close and he burnt for us. He gave everything for you and me. And so the invitation today for you as you come to reflect around the communion table, God, you broke your body. You poured out your blood for me. God, I want to burn through the night for you. God, I want to get back on that altar because you went through the night for me.
God, I want to know the intimacy of you. I want to create a fragrance in my life because I guarantee you an aroma will come off your life which will be attractive to your friends. It will be attractive to this church. It will encourage one one another as we burn together for Jesus. But you have to desire it. If you don't desire it, there's no point. This is just a nice message which sounds really good. In reality, it's very difficult. And we need the community to encourage one another so we can do this together. Maybe today you've got some old ashes. You've got some things that are just ember burning and you want to come to the table to say, God, I want to make a commitment to you today. I want to come with fresh, clear my table today, clear my altar because I want to bring a fresh offering today. Maybe today you need to make that commitment today. God, I want to commit to daily burning for you today. And remember, there's, there's grace. You're not going to fix yourself. This is not going to be a one and done sermon. We're going to keep, this is our journey as Point View Church. We're pointing people to Jesus. We are relentlessly creating space for people to encounter Jesus. But the question is, do you want it? This is truth. Do you want it? Let's bow our heads and pray.